You know, the public school system in America and the West came from the Prussian model in the 1870s, and essentially that type of learning system, all it has done is taught children how to be obedient, um, obedient slaves to authority. That is what the public school system has done. Hello, Joyful Warriors. Welcome to the Joyful Warrior podcast. Today, we are so excited to have uh, a new friend to Moms for Liberty, a new Floridian, actually. So one of my neighbors now, uh, Mr. Will Witt, joining us. Welcome, Will. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, We're so happy to have you. We're going to talk a little bit about elections, uh, what we saw happen in the midterms around the country. But first, I want to give you a proper introduction because you have a great one, and I want everyone to know what you've been up to. So uh, Will Witt is a media personality, national speaker, short film director, cultural commentator, and host of the show Will Witt Live on PragerU. Um, A college dropout, Will moved to Los Angeles to pursue a career in media and politics. In the span of a year and a half, Will Witt has amassed over 500 million views of his online videos and is one of the most viewed conservative media personalities in America. Will's Witt's first mini documentary, Fleeing California, has been viewed over 7 million times. And he has made frequent appearances on Fox News, The Daily Wire, and Blaze Media. He was featured on the cover of the New York Times, which discussed the massive impact he and PragerU have had on America. And this is a little old, this bio, because it says you live in Los Angeles. But as I mentioned, you live in Florida now. So update us on some of the things that you've worked on since that bio was written so we know exactly what you're up to. Yeah, definitely. I think that said, what, a year and a half I got 500 million views. I've now been doing this for about five years or so doing this. So, um, I wrote a Gotta nat- update that bio, I think. <laughs> no, I don't know where that bio is. I gotta find out. I, don't know where I apologize. No, don't worry. Not your fault. All sorts of lies out there about me on the internet, huh? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I wrote a national best-selling book and then I actually moved out of California to come to Florida because I couldn't take what was happening in, in California anymore. I don't think many people who are conservatives can take what's happening in California anymore. And so I decided to come here to be in a free state where it's not just a free state, it's a state that has a vision for what it wants to be in the future. You know, there are lots of states that I guess you could say are more red states or conservative states. They're not like Florida. Florida is special in the sense with DeSantis and the administration and just the energy of the people here in the community, that they're pushing for something that is a lot more than just a Republican ideology. And to me, that's what really drove me here. And so I started the Florida Standard, a new newspaper here in the state, basically telling the truth about What's actually happening here? You know, the, the Miami Herald, the Orlando Sentinel, Florida politics, uh, the Florida Phoenix, all these different news outlets here, they don't treat the governor fairly. They don't treat the people of this state fairly. They don't show what's actually going on. And so I came to essentially say, hey, let's actually show them what's going on. Why are so many people moving here? There's a reason for it. It's not They're not moving here because they want to read the Miami Herald. They're re- moving here because there's no lockdowns. It's a free state and a better economy. So I wanted to come and do all of that. And that's where I am now here in Tampa, Florida. Well, welcome to Florida. We're happy to have you. You, as, as, as well as many other Americans, have chosen to move to Florida. And you mentioned the Miami Herald. I think the Miami Herald actually endorsed Governor, um, the former governor of Florida, Charlie Crist, uh, mm-hmm. for the, the governor. And now you see where Miami ended up as far as the votes were concerned. And, and so you are absolutely right that I think a lot of the media is very out of touch 
with the actual people in Florida and what's actually happening in our government um, buildings, in our schools, which are also government buildings. We'll get to that. But first, I want to talk a little bit about your book, which is called How to Win Friends and Influence Your Enemies. And I think right now in America, when we're looking at people in general, so many of the members of Moms for Liberty have felt really politically homeless. Um, A lot of our moms voted for Obama. Um, Some of them actually voted for Hillary Clinton. Some actually even voted for Joe Biden, and they're regretting that decision, especially where we've seen what's been done with our kids over the past two years. But one thing that's so important is to really try to have conversations about these things. As you've stated before, there's so much misinformation around what's actually happening in America, the work that a lot of different groups and individuals are doing. So I think how to win friends and influence your enemies is Um, one of the most important books we could really read right now. And so I'm going to encourage our moms to read it, but tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, thank you. I think what's so important about what you just said about, you know, Moms for Liberty people voting for Joe Biden or Obama, you know, it's easy from outside looking in to think, oh, these are just a bunch of conservative fundamentalist parents and uh, they're all Republican Trump MAGA people. But when you actually look at it, I mean, I spoke at so many anti-lockdown rallies, uh, pro-free speech rallies, Uh, all things like this in California, especially. And it's just a revolution of normal people. You know, these people aren't like crazy political people or or going to GOP hearings or anything like that. They probably don't even know who their many of their council members are, these kind of things. Right. Or who runs the GOP in their state. They're just normal people who are sick of the, the sexualization of their children and are sick of being locked down in their home and being told that they have to get a vaccine. That's what it is. It's normal people. So I think that's incredibly important. And my book essentially is the way that you can go and have conversations with people and change their minds on all the different issues. There's 17 chapters in the book. Each one is focused on a different political slash cultural issue like climate change, COVID-19, free speech, guns in the Second Amendment. And so if any of you guys have seen my videos with PragerU that I used to do, I used to go on campuses or on the street and interview people and ask them questions and change their mind. So granted, I got pretty good at doing this. And so I decided to write a book where I could also tell people the questions to ask and how to actually change those people's minds like I have with so many different people. Instead of getting angry at people and trying to tell them what to think, you need to ask them what they actually think. If you can put your facts that you have into the questions you're asking, it's going to be at the end of the day, not you changing their mind. It's them changing their own mind because they can't answer the question that you give them. And so I think that's incredibly important that people don't have that level of vanity when they're going into conversations with other people and they have some humility and say, listen, I'm going to ask someone and listen to them instead of just be waiting uh, till they're done so I can just make my next point. And if you do that, you can really do a lot of good with changing minds in this country. I think it's been really interesting, especially around the issue of books and the books that we found in so many different libraries around the country that Moms for Liberty moms have found. And I've done, I don't know how many interviews I have done about the books. And they'll always start off by saying, you know, why do you want to ban books? And I'm like, wait a second, nobody's trying to ban books, right? Write the books, print the books, publish the books you know, sell the books, put them in a public library if you, if your taxpayers in your community want that in your public library. But, you know, public schools are not, um, the, the public schools don't have the right to free speech. We don't have everything in public school libraries. And the idea that somehow, you know, every book needs to be included, we don't have Penthouse and Hustler in these libraries. So just talking people through some of those things, saying, you know, We don't give unfettered access to children to the internet when they're at school. Why is that? Let's look at what, you know, what, what sites are, are, are not allowed in public schools. And then let's look at the correlation between the books. And once you're able to break it down 
and have conversations about that, you're right. You are able to bring people to a place where they're like, okay, well, I didn't, re- I didn't realize that that was what was in the book. And, you know, oh, I didn't realize that you didn't, you know, you just didn't want them to ha- every child to have access. You wanted them to be in a separate place for older students. Oh, that makes sense. And then you know, you can slowly bring people around. So we're coming up on Thanksgiving. We're filming this shortly before Thanksgiving, and it's going to air probably at the beginning of December. But I'm just curious, people are going to be around each other for the holidays a lot, right? Um, what, what are, give me an example of a chapter in the book that we, you know, you might run into. I think you joked around and you said, you know, if, if your aunt wants to start a conversation with you about something, you can go and run yeah. and check the book, right? So give us yeah. an example of a subject that maybe your book could help us navigate through at those holiday functions. You know, I think one of the most important ones right now is the issue of climate change and what's going on there. You have these activists around the world you might have seen who are throwing paint on different uh, old paintings and things like that, trying to destroy them in the name of fighting for climate change or some stupid nonsense reason, these people should all be thrown in jail, in my opinion, for doing that. But it's becoming a big issue because as COVID has kind of dwindled down, climate change is a new thing that the left latches onto as their religion to get young people to do their bidding. And so I think that talking to either maybe it's your kids or maybe your grandkids, or maybe you're the kid and you're asking your parents and things about that. You know, a lot of people will go in and say, you know, the earth isn't going to end in 12 years, you idiot. And instead of going and doing that, you should ask them and say, well, why do you think that we only have 12 years left before climate change is that big of an issue. And you can talk to them. And then many people will say something like, you know, I can't say exactly what they're going to say, but they might say, well, the rising sea levels are going to, to hurt uh, the populations of people and, and make people drown and cities will be underwater because of freezing ice caps. And it's like, okay, have you heard about the country, the Netherlands? The Netherlands built uh, is literally a country that sits below sea level and is one of the most industrious and and successful countries in the world. They're actually the second in, in agriculture production behind America. And these types of questions, you know, I can't, I can't go through every scenario, but like these types of questions that you can learn the answers to all of the common responses that they will give you is the way that you can change people's mind. You know, if, when, and when they get to a place where they don't have an out for your question and all you have done is ask them questions instead of tell them the facts about the the situation, because your facts are actually in your questions, you can do so much good that way because it's calm. You know, I don't want to fight with my family at Thanksgiving. You know, well, you know, thank God I made sure all of my family members are conservative, but I know a lot of people (laughs) don't have that luxury. And it's not worth it, in my opinion, to be fighting with family members. You can have good conversations with your family members in a respectful way without doing it. That being said, though, I will say that when it comes to ideas, ideas as a whole, we can't, as conservatives... Uh, keep finding common ground with evil ideas. You know, evil ideas need to be eradicated and destroyed in our country, whereas people can be changed and they're, they're, they're moldable and you can have conversations and idea is an idea. And we can't let those type of evil ideas seep into our society. And we should be looking to, to quell them. I think that's a great point. I think the porn in the libraries is a really bad idea. I think porn for kids in general, really bad idea. I think it's okay for us as adults to take a stand on that issue, right? Um, But you bring up climate change. I want to talk about this for a second because, you know, I'm 43. You're a little bit younger than I am. Um, But I was raised to to be concerned about the environment, to think about our impact, right? That's when recycling was really big. I think the verdict is is still somewhat out on that. And and we're seeing evidence that perhaps the recycling that we do today isn't in the best best, um, way for, for our climate and for our country. Um, But I do think that kids in general are concerned about 
their environment, the environment and the climate. And you live in Florida now, and our economy is so reliant on the on on the environment and our water systems. And Governor DeSantis has put a lot of focus onto land preservation and onto protecting our waterways and ensuring that we have good, clean water. Um, so let's let's talk about striking a balance on some of these issues. I think you're right. You know, for a long time, conservatives or or the right have kind of been like, oh no, this is nonsense. It's not real. It's not happening. But you know, Gen Z does care about the environment, and and we've heard a lot about the fact that perhaps this is a a group of voters that conservatives really aren't engaging in the right way. So how do we engage about issues that are important to younger generations and? Do so in a way that's respectful and meaningful so that we can all live together in a country where we do have uh, the, the, an environment and air that we can breathe and feel safe about. Yeah, this is a, a very difficult question to answer because when it comes to climate change and the environment, I don't necessarily even feel like young people truly, truly care so much about it. I feel like it is a, a sign of the times, whereas Western religious philosophy and 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 moral values have dissipated from our society today. They have needed some sort of value system to fill that gap. And the left has used climate change, uh, vaccines from COVID, these types of things to fill that gap in young people. And so it makes them kind of a, a Jesus complex themselves where they are the God of the world and they have the responsibility to fix it. So Messianic the environment- vision, yes. Yeah, and so the, yes. the environment is merely just a means to an end for them to fulfill a fantasy of them being a god because really they are so insecure because they have no meaning in their lives because they have no religious backing on them. And so when it comes to the relig- or to the environment and things, I mean, obviously, Ron DeSantis is doing a fantastic job. Conservatives have done a fantastic job for a, a very long time. Obviously, maybe not all Republicans, but conservatism in general has always had a, a strong stance about the environment. Before I was going to get into politics, I was going to be a veterinarian for large animals slash a zoologist. That's what I wanted to do since I was a little boy working with with animals, you know, so the environment is very dear to me. But everything that these people on the left say about the environment are mostly lies. I mean, the recycling thing you brought up, most of our plastic recycling all gets shipped to China and is burned in massive, uh, massive uh, dumpsters and and creates massive amounts of pollution, you know? And it's like you, you expect the government to solve these these climate change problems, but it's like, look at the flash drive, okay? The flash drive is just a tiny piece of plastic that has changed the fact that instead of now printing all these pieces of paper and having all these trees die for for having that, you can now put all of your information on a little disc. And that wasn't made by the government, that was made by the free market, that was made by capitalism and innovation, right? If you wanna fix these environmental issues, you, you should have young people who are working in the free market to make answers to the environmental issues that we're seeing, you know, but again, they expect it to be done by somebody else. They think that we live in a world where young people think that talking about something and putting something on their social media is the same as actually doing something about it. (laughs) Putting a black black square on social media helps black lives matter, right? Posting a picture of themselves on a mask makes it so that people don't get sick from COVID-19, right? All of these different things. And so what these young people need to realize, and hopefully conservatives can do this as a message for them, is say, hey, if you care about an issue, get off your butt and actually go do something about it. Because you're not doing anything about it by just posting it on social media or trying to be on a, a moral pedestal above others by just talking about it. Go do something within the market and and make a name for yourself, Make get yourself wealthy and create something people actually need. But they're too so, lazy to do. Yeah, well, we're trying to model that at Moms for Liberty. We all, a lot of us have kids. There are some members that don't have children. We have grandparents who have grandchildren. Um, 
But we know that our kids are watching us and we've very much tried to model activism, right? Actually getting involved and making a difference. And that brings me uh, to the next subject I'd like to discuss with you. I, I heard you answer a question. You were asked, what does the world need more of? Politicians, professors, or speakers like yourself? And your answer was, uh, you didn't think we needed any more politicians. Um, you didn't think we needed any more speakers. There are a lot of us around, right? But you said we definitely needed more educators and educators who were focused on really giving giving children practicable skills to be successful in life. So you're talking about issues that are going to face um, this country and the globe in the coming years. And you're talking about engaging young people and giving them the skills and, and, get, and, and encouraging them to be involved and create solutions to these issues they're concerned about. Um, but we are faced with a nation where we have almost two thirds of children not reading proficiently on grade level. Um, so mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about education with you a little bit. Um, where do you think we are in education? What is the future look like? Um, and, you know, uh, we talk a little bit about how conservatives seated the ground in public education for quite a while. And Moms for Liberty is very much about reclaiming public ed. Um, would love to hear your thoughts on all of that. Yeah, of course. I have somewhat of a controversial opinion on education, I can say. Uh, I, I'm I am for the abolishing of the public schools. I think that the public school system, unless it is completely changed to actually serve the students uh, and not the unions, it's 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 not actually teaching our kids anything. You know, the public school system in America and the West came from the Prussian model in the 1870s. And essentially that type of learning system, all it has done is taught children how to be obedient, um, obedient slaves to authority. That is what the public school system has done. I, I don't think that the public schools are going to be abolished. Uh, that's not going to happen. I understand that I'm speaking more in a perfect world scenario. What really needs to happen is the abolishment of the teachers unions in a way that uh, they, they have too much control over what the students are learning, what the teachers are doing, and how the kids are actually developing in the classroom. I think that's a big problem. I mean, many of these people in the unions and in the bureaucracy are, are shocked when parents ask to see what the kids are actually learning. The, the, which is strange to me because you would think that should be a, a right that a parent should have. They should be able to know what the kids are seeing in the classroom. But these people are shocked that you would even ask that because what the, the public school system has become today is more of like a communist system where the, the state, the government feels like they own your child. They own your child for seven, eight hours out of the day and you don't get to have a say in that. And that's a ridiculous concept. And so I think there needs to be massive overhauls in the American education system to make it more student focused. Um, also, the fact that young boys get treated exactly the same as young girls and taught in exactly the same way is a travesty that is making our young boys very weak, um, and the unions need to go. I think if we can do that and also institute more uh, aspects of school choice in California, they basically had no school choice. I know in other states it's a lot better, but um, those kind of things, we can actually get some stuff done. But I really think you need to empower students to actually be individuals and creative and not just slaves to the teacher. And when you, I've heard you speak about education, one of the big concerns that you've shared, and I know that Dennis Prager has talked about quite a bit. I mean, our children are being taught to hate our country, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, hating your country is, is the latest fad. It's a, 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 a highly respectable opinion to be a Marxist and hate your country and think that it's terrible and that America can do nothing right and that the rest of the world is better. Trust me, I've been around the world. I've been all through Western Europe. I've seen their political system. I'm, I'm engaged to a Dutch woman. I, I see what goes on across the world. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, thank God I'm an American. The way their political system works, the rights that they have. I mean, they have in, in, ha incitement of hate laws. If you say something that could be seen as incitement of hate, you can be fined, potentially even jailed by the government for saying something that offended or, or hurt someone. 
right? You don't have that in America. Thank God you don't have that in America. But you don't have that anywhere else in the world because in America, your rights are ordained by God. They're not ordained by your government. No other country in the world has a system that works like America's where your rights are ordained by the Lord. And as long as we still have that, I think we can be okay as a country. But our leaders need to understand that. They need to understand that they are our employees. Uh, We pay their salaries. We essentially hired them. And for their job that they are now doing, they are public servants. They need to be honoring God and the Constitution and actually the American people before they start honoring themselves. And then maybe we can start breeding a little bit of, of love for America in this country when people actually understand what it is. But it's like if you look at America now and I see what's happening with Biden and our government you know, I don't want to go die for America. I'm not going to pick up arms and die for the America that we have today. If someone was invading us, of course, I'd fight for homeland and all that. But I'm not going to go and fight and die for the America that I see today. You know, it's kind of like the, the grandfather's axe paradox. Have you ever heard of that? Where if you have an axe and you replace the handle and then the, the blade and then the screws in it, is it still your grandfather's axe or is it something totally new? If you have America and you replace all of these different parts about it with new things that aren't what America was founded on, is it still America? I don't know. I don't know if it is. And so I hope that we can build that back and build a sense of patriotism in this country that is more than just surface deep. And so we're working on that at Moms for Liberty. The biggest concern, you know, I served as a school board member. Um, I'm a mom of four. We saw the government basically telling us that they knew better than uh, we did for our children. And when we tried to have our voices heard, um, we were shut down. In fact, uh, this morning, the the, uh, leaders of the House Judiciary and Oversight Committee were speaking, talking about some of the plans that they have going forward now that the Republicans have taken control of the House And one of the things they said was to discuss and try to figure out how this Department of Justice has become so politicized. Jim Jordan actually gave Moms for Liberty a shout out. Um, I don't know if you know, Will, but, you know, some of our moms were contacted by the FBI because they went and spoke at school board meetings and they didn't just have rainbows and sunshine to share. They actually dared to question the actions that were being taken by their school boards. And so um, such an interesting situation that we have across the country. One of the things I just want to talk with you uh, before we end today, you came from California. You're now in Florida. I think the differences are glaring, especially for someone who's lived in the two places. For our moms um, watching what's happened uh, across the country, we love the age of information. We have made uh, the best of the use of social media, and we are now sharing information with each other. Um, let's talk about California. Uh, before we end, because I can't have somebody who lived in California. Did you grow up in California, Will? No, originally from Colorado. I I lived in Colorado my whole life, dropped out of school to move to California. Okay. Um, And so California is the birthplace of a lot of these issues and things that we're seeing. California, Hawaii, Washington State, Oregon. Now we're seeing the heartland of America, Iowa, Wisconsin, Indiana. You know, these areas that are, you know, really we see mass indoctrination. We actually see um, a very strategic plan to go into rural communities that are very small to push a lot of this radical ideology that can comprehensive sexual education. Parents have no idea this stuff is happening. So in California, SB 107, Scott Weiner, I call him the Pied Piper of America, telling parents, telling kids, come to California. We'll give you a new family. We'll pay for your transgender surgery. Like what the heck? Give us a give us just a, a, a kind of an inside glimpse. What is going on in California? And do we have a chance to save that state? In 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 all honesty, I ask that question because we're not ready to take any flag, any stars off the flag, but we need to start acting like these are all fifty states, right? 
It, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely torn there because being in California, I can tell you the horror stories that you hear about California every day in the videos. They're all true. California, in my opinion, is a failed state, you know, not just culturally with the left, but uh, economically, the income inequality in California is incredibly high. The middle class is being driven out. I think what we're going to be seeing in this country, not just in California, but everywhere around the country, like we've seen in Florida recently, is, is balkanization, where people are understanding that we're going to build our own communities of conservative or freedom-loving people, whatever it is, away from these people on the left who want to transition my child, who think it's okay to do abortions after the child is born, abortions after the child is born, all these different things, you know? And I think people are really starting to get away from that. I think California is not going to fix itself. I think that it is uh, too late for California because I lived there for five years. And if I felt like there was hope for it, which I did for four and a half years, I stayed and I fought and I went to all the rallies. I worked in the political sphere. I, I, I did everything that I could. But the bureaucracy and the level of corruption in that state was just too much. It was too much. And I hate to concede that fight and say, you know, there was nothing I could do. But there comes a point where when you're in a war, you have to understand that, okay, I might have lost this battle. Now we need to go back to our fortress and regroup and build up our forces again so we can go back out and fight again. And that's what I feel like a lot of people are doing coming to Florida, building this place up as a new conservative bastion of the world. And then we can go back and try and retake these other places. And I, I don't see that happening anytime soon, but I hope that California wakes itself up because I love living in LA, despite how horrible it was. It's a very cool city with lots of fun stuff and culture there that's very cool, but beautiful state. Beautiful yeah, state. Uh, we've got a lot of moms that are there living there that are very frustrated. It's not always easy, especially when you have a family and a job to be able to move. And so, you know, we during COVID, some of the conversations I would have with moms in Washington and Oregon and California, it was heartbreaking. And you talked about fundamental rights. I think it's so important that people recognize and remember that um, the government does not grant you your fundamental rights. The right to, to direct the upbringing of your child, the government does not give you. They cannot take it away. I say it every podcast. I say it again and again. So important. And I think people in some of these states almost forgot a little bit. And just, it was this slippery slope to having their rights and their freedoms restricted to the point they, did, they didn't even recognize what their life looked like. Um, so thank you for that insight. Um, the last question I'll ask you today, let's just talk quickly about midterms, the results. What did you think? What did it tell you? Um, and, and, you know, for Moms for Liberty, we felt pretty good um, about some of the results that we had for school boards across the country. 76% of our candidates were first-time candidates. We had over 270 candidates endorsed on the November 8th ballot, which for us was a celebration in and of itself. Um, so, you know, we felt like this, we're just getting started here. Um, what was your sense from the midterms and, and any advice for people as we move forward into 2023? Well, it was definitely a little disappointing from a national perspective. In Florida, we were all incredibly happy about everything that happened here. I mean, 1.5 million votes above Chris that, that DeSantis got. It's just incredible. It's really 20%. What, I mean, yeah. what a wonderful result of a, of an election and governor DeSantis should feel so good about that. He does. He for yeah. sure does. Now, and I think all the people who moved here feel so good about that. They were fired up and they, they really took it to the Democrats in this state. But unfortunately, in the rest of the country, it wasn't nearly as strong as we thought. Um, but that kind of harrows back to the first point that I made in this interview, that DeSantis has an actual vision for this country, has a vision for Florida. And that type of vision gives people hope. I mean, I think, excuse me, I think in this country, especially among young people, 
we are in a crisis of meaning. We are, have a crisis of nihilism. Um, people are very apathetic towards politics and that in general. And so when you have a politician like DeSantis come in and give people actual hope and meaning and a plan, that means way more, way more than coming and just saying, gas prices are too high. I'm a Republican. I'm going to fix it. You know, uh, these kids in the school, they're not being taught the right stuff. I'm going to come and fix it. That stuff is good on the surface if you just want Republican voters. But if you want people to actually be uh, conservative and love freedom and love their country, you need to do a lot more than that. And I, I think that we were too focused on on issues in that way and not focused enough on actually giving people a sense of meaning and hope for their lives. You know, I see in the future, I see we could be having a very bloody primary between Trump and DeSantis coming up. Um, maybe some other Republicans as well. And if the left runs someone like Michelle Obama, who's a national uh, national house name, great speaker, black woman, millions of dollars in the war chest, we're going to completely get uh, rolled over by someone like Michelle Obama in the 2024 election. So I think that conservatives really need to come together, iron out that vision and and make sure that we can fix this. Well, I just yes, want to sir. thank you so much for joining us today on the Joyful Warrior podcast. It's great to hear your voice, a conservative voice, a young conservative voice, uh, talking about some of the issues happening in America, but also giving us hope and, and you know, giving us, uh, helping us to see the vision for the future. Um, so everyone, Will Witt, the Florida Standard, if you're not subscribed, check them out. Will, they can follow you on Twitter. Tell us about the other social media and ways we can get, we can see what your writers are writing about. Yeah, anywhere on social media, my personal is at the Will Witt, and then at the FL Standard, the FL Standard is all of our social media. You can go to the flstandard.com, sign up for the Florida Standards newsletter, see all of our breaking stories, sign up for our texts, all of that. We're really trying to change the media landscape here in the state, and we'd love for all of you guys to get on board with what we're doing. Awesome. And don't forget to check out Will's book, How to Win Friends and Influence Your Enemies Might Help You Out This Holiday Season. Again, Will Witt, thank you so much. Look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Hey, Joyful Warriors, Tiffany Justice here, and I'm so excited because we're going to start doing something on the podcast um, that we did a little bit before uh, when we were audio only, but now we're video and we're going to invite on moms who are chapter chairs or leaders from around the country doing the work of Moms for Liberty to come on and tell us about why they got involved with Moms for Liberty and uh, what kind of work they're doing in their communities. Today, we are joined by Jackie Terabiel, and Jackie is the chapter chair for our York County, South Carolina chapter. And Jackie won, was nominated for and won the Deborah Sampson Award. And I want to read for you a moment and, and we'll show the graphic, I think, of the Deborah Sampson Award. And, and this award um, was awarded for engaging our communities and elected leaders on key issues impacting our families. Deborah was so invested in the cause of liberty that she disguised herself as a man and fought in the Revolutionary War. She fought for nearly a year and a half before an injury revealed her secret. Like Deborah, this award goes to someone who exhausts all options to engage in the fight for our children's future. This awardee is innovative, employs creativity, and is constantly finding new ways to fight. So Jackie, welcome to the Joyful Warrior podcast and tell us, why do you think your chapter nominated you for this specific award? Well, hi, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much. Um, I was just really just so honored to be nominated for this award. I think that they nominated me um, because we've had to be really creative in York County, South Carolina, 
um, to reach out to uh, people who can help our parents. And so we've tried to, we have a, a really great leadership team there, a really great group of parents. And so we've been very creative um, and really tried to think of things that maybe had never been thought of before, ways to build relationships with people and also to really um, engage our parents and educate our parents on what's going on. So here's what your chapter said. Jackie is a force to be reckoned with. Several school board members and local representatives even have her on speed dial. They recognize that Jackie has her finger on the pulse of what the community is concerned about. All of this, despite Jackie being a relatively new resident of South Carolina, she lived in New York when the COVID pandemic broke out and spent months exhausting every option to fight lockdowns before making the decision to move her family. Through creative methods and meeting people where they are, she has grown the York County chapter to more than 550 members. Jackie, that is so awesome. So tell us, I've heard that you're really good at putting together like social events and bringing people together. What's your secret? What can other moms learn from you about some of the work you're doing? And how's it been for your family too? I want to talk a little bit about your family because I know that's always our why. Yeah. Um, well, some of the things that we, from the very beginning, the way that we wanted to do it was um, we kind of had this idea that like, we wanted people to join the group. Obviously, people cared and parents really cared about it, but we kind of wanted to make it like the cool, fun place for parents to be where they can meet other people and really get excited and engaged and feel a sense of community. And then when you feel that, that you, somebody has your back, you're more willing to kind of put yourself out there. So we did a lot of social events and then we kind of snuck in a little bit of like educating parents on what do board school board members, what can they actually do um, and how how to you know talk to your legislators and a lot of different things like that so we try to make it very fun and engaging but also kind of teaching them how they can be empowered to make change and then for your second part how has it affected my family i mean the thing is that i mean we all do this for our family um that's why i got into it i mean i wasn't planning two years ago i wasn't planning to live in a totally different state and be meeting with senators and legislators to fight for my parental rights. But here we are, you know, here I am doing this and working with other great parents to do it. So um, my family has been really, really supportive. Um, I have two teenage boys and my husband and my boys have been really, really supportive and proud of me um, on this whole exciting journey. Um, you know, you don't mess with a mom. And so kind of awaken something in me that hadn't been there before. And the drive that keeps me going is my two boys and my nieces and nephews and the future of our country. So how are kids doing in South Carolina schools right now? What is, what is, what's going on in South Carolina? Yeah, well, South Carolina is a very interesting state because we are a very large state. We actually have so many chapters in South Carolina. I think we might be up to 13 or 14. Um, we all communicate well, the chapter chairs, which is awesome on state level things, but each area I found is so different and has their own unique challenges. But um, I think some of the challenges are the same all over. I know in our county, um, some of the challenges we face are the fact that our schools are ranked top in the state of South Carolina. However, if you look at us, uh, you know, in the 
over the country, we ranked very, very low in the country. So we're the best of some of the worst states in the country. And so getting school board officials to really take us seriously when we have concerns about um, the things that are being taught in our schools and how the focus is being taken away from education and put on more of these social issues. Um, it's really, really hard to get them to believe us when they're giving us these amazing stats of how great our kids are testing. Um, but there's still so many things that need to be resolved and issues that need to be done. So for us here, that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we face. And is that your focus going forward? Is it the literacy rates and, and, and how the kids are really doing in school? Because I know we've talked a lot. There's a lot of excuse for educational failure across the country, isn't there? Um, so how do you and your chapter, how do you plan to try to get everybody, you know, around this idea of, you know, the kids deserve to read in school? It seems like we've gotten so far away from the mission and the work of what the public education system should be doing. I know it's true. In South Carolina, only, um, I believe it's a third of the children in South Carolina can't read or write at their grade level. Um, that is just unacceptable. And so we feel like they're, you know, the, they're putting so many things into school that's taking away from just learning how to read, learning how to do math. Um, so what we're trying to do is really just, again, I think just there's such a huge education piece that Moms for Liberty does for our legislators who are not involved in the school. You know, they're making decisions that are affecting our students, but they don't really know what's happening. So for us to be able to share the day-to-day -day of what's going on in the schools, it's really enlightening for them. And I think it helps them to make better decisions and make better laws in the, and you know, when they're there in session, because they know they have the inside scoop on what's happening in the districts. I think that's so important, and I think you're right. I think that's something that Moms for Liberty brings, to be able to have the chapters across the state and then have the chapters work together at that state level to really, you're right, give the background and the information about what's really happening on the ground and what parents really need to see as far as policy is concerned. Policy has been somewhat detached, hasn't it? That policy at the state level or even federal policy has been somewhat detached from the people, the real American people on the ground. And so I just want to tell you, um, I, I love seeing you on the podcast. I'm so excited that you joined us. And I'm just really excited about the future of South Carolina education because I think we saw, I think it was eight different curriculum transparency bills last session. We're hoping that maybe there won't be as many bills that are sponsored so we can rally around a couple really good ones, right? And get some good quality education policy passed um, in South Carolina and some parental rights policy and, and law passed in South Carolina. And we're going to help you at the national level to try to do that. But um, my money is on the South Carolina moms. So <laughs> thank too. you, Jackie, again. Um, really appreciate you joining us today. And congratulations again on the Deborah Sampson Award. It could not have gone to uh, a, a more deserving uh, a mom in, in, our, in our group. So thank you. Thank you so much.